Today's sermon passage is John chapter 21, verses 15 through 23. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, We are thankful this morning that you are a God of mercy and of grace. A God of restoration and of hope. Lord, this morning we are also thankful that you are a God of justice and a God of peace. Lord, we are thankful this morning that in your kingdom there is both justice and mercy. There is both peace and hope. Lord, we pray today that you would work in us, your people. We pray that you would speak your word to us. Lord, what we know this morning is that we need your presence. We need your power. We need your peace.
Lord, as much as we're thankful for technology and we're thankful for engagement online and we're thankful that we're not left in full isolation during this quarantine. Lord, we know that what we need most is you. We don't need better experiences. We need you. We need your presence. We need your mercy. We need your ministry to us. So Lord, I'm pleading that by your power, through the work of your spirit, you would work for your people today. In our grief, in our shame, in our sorrow, in our hurting, in our brokenness, in our sin, in our unmet longings, Lord, would you be present and would you minister to your people today? Would you cause us to know that you are with us? And to believe that if you are with us, we have everything we could ever need. Lord, I'm also aware this morning that it is likely there are men and women created in your image watching this very service who don't know you, who are far from you, who are left apart from you in sin. Lord, would you make Jesus real and present and tangible to those who are far to you, to, far from you today. Lord, we pray that today would be a day of repentance and faith and new life. Father, would you accomplish all of these things in our midst through your word and for your glory? We pray the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. Um, what we're doing uh, for our sermons during this quarantine is we are considering um, the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. After this series, we'll be uh, returning to the study of a book, which is our normal um, approach to preaching here at Redeemer. But for the coming weeks, um, our series is called Risen Indeed. And we're looking one by one from the scripture at these appearances of Jesus. So a little timeline. Um, what we celebrate in the Christmas season is that the Son of God, became man. He was born of a virgin woman named Mary in a town called Bethlehem. And he was named Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. And this baby grew up to be a man who was a teacher and a prophet and a worker of miraculous things who said he had been sent of God to be the way and the truth and the life and to draw people to himself. 
Show people the Father. And at the end of his life, which was very early, this Jesus was betrayed, arrested, condemned, and murdered on a cross in Jerusalem with the blessing of the Jewish leaders and with the blessing of the Roman government. This death was not the end of the life and ministry of this Jesus because on the third day, what we celebrate in the Easter season, He rose from the dead. He was alive. Not only was He a prophet and a teacher, but He was a defeater of death. And in being a defeater of death, a defeater of sin and a giver of life, and now this resurrected Jesus is appearing on numerous occasions to numerous people throughout that region in that time as a way to show that indeed He is the Lord over all. And every one of these appearances has a purpose. And so today, we want to look at Jesus appearing to His disciples again, and particularly speaking to Peter. And the purpose of this encounter was for Jesus to restore Peter. Peter, on the last night of Jesus' life, had denied him three times. And so this lingering question is, can you deny Jesus and be restored? Can you deny Jesus and be forgiven? Can you deny Jesus and be one of His disciples? And then beyond that, can you deny Jesus and build His church? Can you deny Jesus and be used for the building of His kingdom? Will Jesus carry out His work in the world through redeemed and restored deniers of Him? In many ways, friends, this passage that we get to explore today is hope for our weary souls. Because Jesus looks directly into the eyes of Peter and restores him. And restores him to a place not only of being his follower, but of being one who will be used to establish his church and build his kingdom. And if anything gives us hope today, it's the hope that Jesus not only has a place for those who deny him in his kingdom if they repent, but Jesus will use the restored and the broken to build his kingdom. So let's look at the passage together this morning. Austin read it for us earlier. John chapter 21, verses 15 through 23. If you're taking notes this morning, our first point is Peter's restoration. Peter's restoration. In the midst of these post-resurrection appearances of Jesus, we get this very important moment captured for us. It's a moment between Jesus and Peter, yet in front of all the disciples. 
And the moment is of vital importance because it answers this question of what will Christ do with Peter who denied him? Chronicled in um, John 17 and 18, Peter, on the last night of Jesus' life, while Jesus was arrested and tried, betrayed him three times. Denied him three times. Three times he said, "Uh, you belong to Jesus. And three times Peter said, no, I don't know him. But what would Jesus do with Peter who denied him? What would be his fate? Ever present in the minds of the disciples would be Judas. Judas who had betrayed Jesus. Who was also one of the twelve. Who had turned Jesus in to the Jewish authorities. For a sack of money. And ultimately, in such shock and horror for his betrayal would die in unrepentance. So what would be the place of Peter in the kingdom? The good news, friends, is Peter is no Judas. Broken, repentant, contrite, Rejectors of Jesus who come to him and to him alone are received and redeemed and restored and used. So, this Peter had been involved in the resurrection appearances up until now. On that first resurrection Sunday, he ran to the tomb with John. He was with the twelve when Jesus appeared to them in a locked room. He'd been there a week later when Jesus had appeared again. And this time, they're out fishing. They're out fishing and they're not catching any fish. And Jesus reveals himself to them by performing a fishing miracle. He says, throw your net out on the other side of the boat and they catch so many fish that they don't know what to do with them. And they come in and they share breakfast with Jesus and then our passage begins. After breakfast, Jesus has a conversation with Peter. It's important for us to know that this conversation was public because the denial was public and the restoration would be public. I think there's a private part of me that just wonders, like, well, Jesus, wouldn't it have been better if you just pulled Peter aside and patted him on the back and encouraged him quietly and didn't make his shame be lived out in front of others? But his shame was already being lived out in front of others. His Denials were known, and his restoration would be known also. The restoration comes through a series of questions and answers between Peter and Jesus. 
Jesus would look at Peter and ask some form of the question, do you love me? And Peter would answer in some various form of, yes, I love you. And then Jesus would say, feed my lambs. And then this happened a second time. Do you love me? Yes. And Jesus would say, tend my sheep. And then a third time, do you love me? Yes. Jesus would say, feed my sheep. The passage tells us that the repetition was hurtful to Peter. It caused him to cry out and say, Jesus, you know everything. You know that I love you. But I think what's important in this little section of the scripture is that the repetition of three was not for shame. The repetition of three was not for clarity as if Jesus didn't know. The repetition of three was for Peter to publicly, clearly affirm Jesus and his faith in him three times just as he had denied him three times. And in each instance, when Jesus says, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. Jesus says, not only is there a place for you amongst my followers, but there is a place for you to build my church. As he says, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Peter's restored. His sin and his denials were not held against him. They are forgiven. And this is the shaping trajectory for us. Jesus is in the business of forgiving sinners. He's in the business of forgiving those who deny him. What took place on that cross in his death was Jesus taking the penalty that that our sin deserves upon himself. And in his life, he's declaring that it is defeated and it is covered and there is hope for sinners in the name of Jesus. So as we look at Peter today, one of the the huge questions for us is, what will I do with my sin, my regret, my turning against God? What will I do with it? And if we, we run to Him, we look to Him, we trust in Him, there is redemption and restoration for those who come to God through Jesus. Will you come to Him today? For those of us who are followers in Christ and yet we wonder, have we failed? Have we not been faithful enough? Do we not lead our families well enough? Have we not been as fruitful as we ought to be? Why am I still stuck in these patterns of sin? The question is not, am I a perfect performer? But will I come to Jesus who redeems and restores? And now to this restored Peter... Jesus says, feed my sheep. 
Peter will serve among the apostles. Those who walked with Jesus. Those who saw the resurrected Jesus. And those who would be the mouthpieces of the building of the church of Jesus. Peter would be one of them. Jesus will build His church through the message of those whom He's redeemed and restored. So this idea of feed my sheep, feed my lambs, tend my sheep. What Jesus is saying is, your restoration calls you to a commitment to my people. Your restoration calls you to care. Finally, in this story of redemption, Jesus shows Peter that this path of building the church will be a costly one. This path of what we call discipleship will be costly for Peter. It will lead to his death. And Jesus says, you follow me. What Jesus wants for Peter to do is to follow him. Follow him. You don't have to know all of what is coming. Just follow me. You don't have to fully comprehend all the ways that I will make all things new. Just follow me. You don't have to know how A will lead to B, which will lead to C, which will lead to D, which will lead back to C, which will lead back to D, which will lead to E, which will lead to where we're going. He's saying, just follow me. Just follow me. The calling of Peter was that Jesus restored him and restored him all the way back to that place from whence he had fallen pillar of the message of Jesus and what Jesus wants for Peter is to follow him all the way to a costly death no matter the cost follow me and so in classic Peter form he sees John close by he says okay that's great I'm restored going to feed your sheep. I love you. You love me. I'll follow you. But what about John? Is he going to die too? Is his path of discipleship going to be costly? And Jesus rebukes Peter and says, Peter, it doesn't matter what my plans are for John. You follow me. It doesn't matter what my plans are for John. You follow me. So we see this beautiful picture of Peter being restored to follow Jesus, to build his church, and to bear fruit no matter how costly it is.
which leads us quickly to what do we learn from Peter? And so the second point is learning from Peter. What do we make of this conversation between Peter and Jesus? Does it shape us? So in, in one sense, Peter is unique. He physically walked with Jesus. He literally saw the resurrected Jesus on numerous occasions. He was an apostle, a starter of the church of Jesus. And so in this sense, we stand on the shoulders of Peter and the apostles and we're thankful for them. And in this particular sense, Peter's unique. I am not an apostle. You are not an apostle. The foundation of the church was laid by those who walked with Jesus, who were the, those who were closest with Him. And in, in one sense, they're very unique. They spoke the words of God to us and we stand upon their shoulders. And so we look at this story and we say, Jesus restored Peter to a place of speaking the Word of God to the people of God. Praise be to God. But their second is another sense in which Peter is very much like us and in which we need to learn very much from Peter. Peter was human. Very human. If there's any character in all of the Scripture who I resonate with and most likely you resonate with, it's Peter. He was a struggler. He was impulsive. He spoke quickly. He had some really high highs and some really low lows. And yet, all the way through, Jesus was working in him and restoring him and blessing him and using him. So what this tells us is we need Christ like Peter needs Second, we learn from Peter that Jesus wants us to know him and love him. We're very quick to talk about the love of God, and we should because the scripture is filled with the love of God. But those who know the love of God love God. We're thankful for His love. We're thankful to know Him. We delight in Him. We care for Him. We love Him. And that, I believe, is why Peter was asked three times, not do you want to be restored, not are you sorry, not do you, do you confess, but do you love me, Peter? Do you love me more than anything else? Some scholars believe that the more than these... Do you love me more than these was, was more than the other disciples? Other scholars believe it was the hundreds of fish laying on the seashore that Jesus had just given him. But either way, the question is, do you love me? The Lord wants those whom He has redeemed and restored to love Him, to delight in Him, to want to be in His presence, to care about Him. He doesn't so much need us to love Him so that He will be propped up, but His love is intended to motivate from us an allegiance and a hope to Him. 
So we learn from Peter that the Lord would want us to know him and to love him and to delight in him and to be satisfied in him and to trust in him and to show allegiance to him. Third, we, we learn from Peter that the church of Jesus is built upon and through redeemed and restored human strugglers. I mean, just think about this. It's Peter that's going to preach the sermon at Pentecost where thousands of people believe and the Holy Spirit descends upon everyone. The church is built on Christ, but the message of Christ is going forward generation by generation through redeemed and restored human strugglers like Peter. The Lord wants us who know Him to be His ambassadors of peace who build His church by preaching His Word and feeding His people. It's not just for preachers. It's not just for people who get paychecks. paychecks. It's for all of us. Fourth, the restored are called to follow Jesus and His commands. The restored are called to follow Jesus and His commands. Jesus has restored us that we would walk with Him. This week, seeing gross injustice in our world, Seeing pastors take their own lives. Seeing an ongoing pandemic with economic and emotional and medical consequences splaying out all over the place has caused me to wrestle with questions of why and how and when. And what this passage has encouraged me with is that the answer to all of those questions is walking with Jesus. Because if we follow Jesus, we'll be walking into justice. If we follow Jesus, we'll be walking the road of mercy and grace. If we follow Jesus, we'll be going where we need to go, even if it's hard and it's difficult. We learn from Peter that the restored follow Jesus always. So where you're going, go with Him. Fifth, We learn from Peter that the restored invest in the church of Jesus. You love me, feed my sheep. You love me, tend my sheep. You love me, feed my sheep. We're not apostles. The church will not sit on our shoulders. But those who are restored are called to love and care for and invest in the church of Jesus. Bruce Milne writes, following Jesus and loving Jesus mean accepting responsibility for Jesus' people. A truth which is in need of rehabilitation at the present time. Commitment to Christ involves commitment to the church of Christ. Jesus is not a single person in the sense that he comes to us with no other attachment. He is a 
married person. He comes to us with a bride whom he loves and for whom he sacrificed himself. To be in relationship to Christ while ignoring or even despising his bride is no more acceptable than such behavior would be in human context relating to a married friend. So far less so because the relationship with Jesus has infinitely greater dimensions. Genuine New Testament conversion means not only turning to and accepting Christ, it means also turning to and accepting His bride, the church. The restored invest in the church of Jesus. Sixth, every restored person has a different story. Our calling is not one of comparison and contrast. It's one of following and serving. My path and your path, they're very different. But our goal is that together we follow Jesus and we serve Him and we obey Him. As your pastor, my goal is that where you are on the path that the Lord has you, you would follow Him. It's not to make you look like me and it's not for me to look like you. It's for us to follow after Christ, building His bride and doing His work. There is so much hope and encouragement for us in this passage. We all need Jesus. Father, would you take these words and whatever's good and right and true in them, would you speak them to your people? Help us, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.